the body of the presbyterate. My body that, that I was taught in um, Holy Angels grade school in whatever, 19, I didn't even think about it anymore, 60 or whatever, was that it was a temple of the Holy Spirit, right? You remember that? And in, in many ways, like that amount of respect that we give to the tabernacle, we oftentimes, at least in that school, didn't give respect to either our own bodies or another's body. My mother, you know, not to disparage Eucharistic adoration or what goes on in the sanctuary, but she would spend hours in front of the Blessed Sacrament, but she didn't exactly care much for her husband. <laughs> and so many of us find that conflict in our lives of loving God, but not loving ourselves and our neighbor. So we're not complete and whole. When I think about diet, and I haven't spent as much time on that as I have thinking about alcohol and drug addiction, sexual addiction. I used to run a national unit for sexual addiction for universal health called the, the Keystone Center. And we treated mostly physicians. I had one priest, several ministers, some professors, lawyers, mostly physicians, OBGYNs and doctors and so forth. And does anybody want to guess what one of the highest connected problems that these men had was with their sexual compulsivity? Take a guess. Food was very common. And if the food problem wasn't in them, frequently it was in their spouse. It was weird, but I remember more and more I'd see these guys come in. Many of them uh, would binge and then purge. They would binge and purge. And, and the way we think about eating and food, we don't always quite get it. But they would be either very thin or tend to be on the obese or the, the uh, overweight side. And a lot of the guys, it, their wives would be complementary you might say, either anorexic looking almost or tending to be very heavy and obese. And so this relationship between diet and sexuality and compulsions and so forth and how one feels about themselves is very, very powerful. I don't think I need, and I can't get that working so you'll be spared, um, watching some of Supersize Me. Has anyone seen that? This is, oh boy, is it, it's frightening. <laughs> Did you watch it all through? And this guy ends up with liver disease and his physician's ready to have him, you know, committed for his self-destructive behavior. What he did, I think it was 30 some days all told, 32 or 31, he made a commitment that he would eat only at McDonald's and he would eat breakfast, lunch and dinner at McDonald's, either takeout or in-house. And he just emphasizes the amount of fat and sugars and addictive substances that's in the McDonald's diet, and how that increases our brain's cravings for those substances. And it struck me, what's one of the big things that men and women get from too much drinking is they get liver disease. And they become physiologically dependent upon that substance, and they go into a withdrawal. And so food and diet can have the same kind of impact. And when you think about it, it, certainly in colonial America, alcohol was considered a food. Now we know better today. And the average American would consume about nine gallons, was per capita consumption of the Anglos anyway, of corn whiskey a year. That's a lot of booze. And um, make no mistake about it, this country was founded upon alcohol. And you know, politics took place where? It took place in the tap room in the bars and the pubs and etc and it's still a very powerful powerful influence and you know i could read you all the horrific statistics on alcohol consumption
kids consuming it today, how many, I just told you, 6,000 men just through guest house. That doesn't include John Vianney's or this place or that place. And then the percentage, 14% is a high-end guess of how many people in American culture are alcoholic and drug addicted. And then when you start to put together the faces with that, the numbers are very high. So it's not hard for me now, it was then, to take a step and think in similar fashion how food is also a very compulsive, addictive behavior and substance. And then I thought, when I was working with sexual addiction, how do you work with someone who's compulsive around sexuality, whether it's fantasy, whether it's masturbation, whether it's pornography or voyeurism or prostituting, having acquiring prostitutes for sexual behaviors, any number, there's a vast number of things.